we go. Welcome to The Lockdown. My name is Phil McCaslin, and I will be your host. This is the first episode of The Lockdown. As you can tell from the name, we are going to be talking a little defense here for the next few months, trying to get you guys ready, trying to help you out with any sort of defensive issues, defensive schemes you have in this upcoming season. A little bit about me. I am currently the uh, assistant basketball coach at Vista Ridge, but uh, I've been fortunate enough to become the next head basketball coach at China Spring. This will be my ninth year coaching. A little bit about what we're going to be talking about, as you can guess with the name, the lockdown. We're going to be talking about defense, trying to make sure that we uh, cover as many broad topics as possible. Not going to lie, this is going to get a little nerdy. This would be a great podcast to get your legal pad, your clipboard, your notebook. Um, We'll probably talk a little off-season at times, maybe with defense, but uh, for the most part, we're going to be talking X's and O's, practice planning, scheming, uh, try to get as many topics. If you're thinking about installing a defense, we'll probably get to that. If you have any uh, suggestions, you can hit me up on Hardwood. Uh, My name is pretty easy on there. It's Philip. Dot McCaslin. Uh, before we get started with our very first guest, uh, big shout out, big thanks to Matt Jones over at Hardwood, giving this podcast a chance. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. Uh, I'm excited about it, getting a chance to talk about defense. Uh, and for our first guest, I'm going to throw me a little softball. This is one of my closest friends. He is currently the varsity assistant coach at the Woodlands. Uh, he's been coaching close to 20 years, stops at Hayes, Fort Worth Brewer, Woodlands. Uh, I actually got the chance to meet him and coached against him when he was at Pflugerville Connolly. He had a ton of success there, uh, making the playoffs both times, and his second year there, making a little run at the regional quarters. Welcome to the lockdown, Kyle Jones. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for coming on. We've been trying to set this up for a while. I'm glad we could get it started. Yes, sir. No, I really appreciate you having me on. So the big topic with you that I wanted to talk about, and I think we all kind of run into this, uh, we're going to talk about slowing down elite scores. And when I was thinking of this topic, this is one of the first topics I sent to Coach Jones, and I don't think I could think of somebody better because I don't think anybody in the States coached as many studs as you have. Uh, who are some it's examples? It's not always fun doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like you've always had a uh, one of those on your side, but what are some examples? It's kind of st- – elite scores have you been have you got the chance to coach against you know there's been fortunately and unfortunately i guess there's been quite a few you know even this year over at the woodlands coming over to the houston area uh two that come into mind real quick is from klein forest who ended up uh, making it to the state finals game and uh, lost a close one duncanville there but they have they had a really really quick point guard that could shoot it and a really skilled uh, what was he about six seven six eight kid that uh, both of them are end up going to SFA uh, over at College Park or uh, not College Park but um, Oak Ridge Conroe Oak Ridge they have a six seven wing that's a sophomore that's ranked way up there in his class uh, you know we there's another guy at Klein that is going to Navy I think he could have gone a little higher I think he's about a six five thick guard. And then the name that, that most people are going to know or is R.J. Hampton over at Little Elm that uh, just reclassified to be able to go to college a year early. And, um, uh, you know, there's, there's great players around the area and around the state of Texas. And, uh, you know, it's 
fun to coach against those guys because you got to play against the best at some point. Exactly. I mean, we all got to see those two Klein Forest kids at state and just, you know, Klein Forest coming in. Nobody thought they were going to make that kind of state run. And I can just imagine what it's like seeing those guys twice in district uh, that, you know, that McDaniel kid, his ability to just get whatever shot he wanted on the perimeter was just unreal, as good as anybody in the state. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, so the big thing that we're talking about is elite perimeter scores. You know, obviously these guys probably have a back-to-basket game, but mostly we're talking about guys that can get to the hole, can shoot the outside shot, can get whatever shot, scores and – in a variety of ways, you know, the guys that I've had experience with that, you know, obviously Greg Brown over at Vandergriff, you know, 30-whatever points a game. I've gotten to coach against right. him a few times. But, you know, you, you've got a lot of experience with these kind of perimeter studs, so to speak. And, you know, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. Stopping or slowing down, I guess is probably a better word. Slowing down studs. So, you know, when you're going into a game and you know you've got to see a Williamson from Rockwall or R.J. Hampton or some of those kids – you know, when you when you get started, how much film are you are you watching of those guys? You know, I think it's imperative that you have to do that. I mean, because if you're trying to go in blind to it, then you know they're going to do be able to do exactly what they're trying to do, and they're going to be able to be successful on whatever the coach has tried to scheme wise set him up to be successful. And so, I try to get as many films, especially on those studs. First of all, it's fun to watch them. And then second of all, I, I love the aspect of trying to go and, and scheme some way to be able to slow them down. Because like you said, you, if you're going against that type of elite score, there's no way you're going to ever stop them. All you can try to do is try to try to slow them down. And, and you know, my big thing is I try to get as much film and I try to find tendencies of, you know, like the Klein Forest kid, uh, the point guard. You know, we found that he's right-handed, but when he drives left, he's always going to pull up from mid, mid-range. He would never really go try to finish when he was attacking left, and so try to stay in his hip pocket. And I think that you can tell a lot also from film of, you know, the scheme that the coach has them in. Where, where do they try to get them opportunities to score, and when do they put the ball in, in, in their hands, whether it's up the floor or, you know, coming off the screens or ball uh, dribble handoffs or pick and rolls. And so I think film, especially when you're going against a stud like that, is is huge to be able to look at. You know, you brought up a great point talking about tendencies. You know, that's something looking into it, you know, the big thing is all these guys can get buckets. So it's all about what you want to take away and why. And, you know, I want to try to get past some of the non-obvious or some of the obvious. You know, we obviously you don't want to give them breakaway dunks. You don't want to give up 20 free, 18 free throws to some of these guys. So when you're going into these, you know, these guys that are averaging 25, you know, we all want to force a tough two, but what do you want to take away and why? What are some things you like to take away from those elite bucket getters? Well, you know, the, and you said at the beginning, you know, the breakaway dunks, everything like that, there's not a whole lot you can do against that. But what the two things that we really think that we do not want to allow them to be able to feel good about themselves and that's by getting those easy buckets. And so, one, this main one is not allowing offensive rebounds. And, you know, just probably like Greg Brown, that's probably a main thing that you do with him, just his size alone, to be able to uh, limit his offensive rebounds which and limit the whole team's offensive rebounds so he doesn't get more opportunities to be able to try to hurt you. 
And then I think the second thing is, like you said, keeping them off the free throw line. I know those are the two obvious, but I think those are two things that against any stud that you can try to contain that and it, it'll make it easier on yourselves. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Greg Brown, he's, he's an absolute monster on the offensive glass. You know, when I've tried to break down what he does and trying to take away those offensive rebounds is, is just vital. He just, he lives in there. Um, and that was like the Solomon kid from Klein Forest, the big posts that they had that oh, absolutely. You know, can't, let him, can't let him get second two, three chances around the basket or he's eventually going to make it. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys, too, that uh, as a six seven guy, his ball handling was something that just stuck out at the state tournament. I mean, I can't imagine having those two guys on the perimeter. How do you help? Where do you help? I mean, you know, we're talking about elite scores, but, you know, they got two guys that can just – I mean, I don't know how you keep them from getting where they want on the floor. We didn't do a great job in that, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, as many not many teams did this year. But well, that's why you, they, you know, like yep. you said, like you said in the in film preparation and everything is what we like to do too is not only just look at at the stud, but you got to look at the pieces around them, and so try to see if you can, you know, where your help can come from or what you you are going to live with giving up. You know, so uh, and Klein Forts, what made them the most potent, I think, is because they had two other guards that were, you know, nobody really focused on them. And they were sitting in those corners and could knock down perimeter shots. You know, and when you have a stud, and especially with my Klein Forts, when you have two studs, but then you have three other guys that buy into their roles and, and can knock down open shots, it makes it even tougher. You know, it's kind of like James Harden. If the kids aren't, if the other guys aren't, knocking down shots and he doesn't look as great, you know? So, um, it, film work and all that, I, I love it because you got to be able to, against a sudden, you got to live with giving up something and you're trying to find Absolutely. his weakest point that you're going to be able to try to focus on making him have to beat you in that way. Absolutely. You know, I mean, heck for the longest time in the NBA, what was the best game plan? LeBron and four shooters. You know, I mean, exactly. so if you've got spacing and things like that, and that, that kind of brings me to what, you know, so let's say the ball's tipped, you know, it's a Tuesday night game, you know, you've prepared, you've talked to your kids, you know, about what you guys want to take away. You know, at the beginning of the game, what are you kind of surveying with that stud? You know, by all means, you know, we all have got strategies of let him get his, take away the rest, you know, try to limit him. But right. when you get into that game, you know, at the very beginning, what are you wanting to see out of your kids kind of in that first four-minute stretch? I want to know that the kids are aware of where he is on the court and make sure that we, we're following the game plan of what we want to take away from him and be sure that everybody's on the same page. Uh, you know, because especially the worst thing that I think can happen is all of a sudden – you not execute the game plan very well or the kids not quite sure exactly what to do. And then all of a sudden we let that stud get a couple of uh, early buckets, which as soon as he gets a couple of early buckets, there's the confidence level. And then you could be in for a very, very long night. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, just being aware, I mean, it's all about obviously what they know and being aware defensively. And so, you know, what kind of a, just a normal, great ball handling elite perimeter score most of the time what do you look are you a, going in with a man idea are you trying to zone up how often do you kind of like 
throw a little box and one at these guys initially? Do you, uh, you know, talk us through some of those kind of initial ideas, you know, in terms of overall scheme defensively? You know, I'm more of a man guy. And so I think it's going to be tougher to be able to focus on a stud whenever you're in a zone, uh, just as the communication wise and all that. And so really against somebody like that, I'd much rather be able to go man because you know you're always going to have one person on him. And so, you know, and what we look at is, is he a point guard or he, is he an off guard? When does he get in his ball in the hand? As soon as you score, are they giving it, to, giving it to him then to bring the ball down to be able to start an offense? Or are they trying to, to, to get it to him once they bring the ball into the half court? I got you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was something we saw. Wichita Falls Rider had a had a great guard going to Lovett Christian. Uh, we got to play them in their tournament this year, and you know, big six six kind of shooter, but you know, he had to handle a lot of their ball handling duties. And like you talked about, so we put a little five eight guy on him and just tried to hound him for ninety five feet and make him work bringing up the ball. Just try to tire him in some segment of the court, so he's not just fresh when his legs are going up for a shot when he's trying to penetrate. And, I mean, I think that's a great point you're talking about. When When is he getting that ball, and how do you make him work? Do you make him through fighting through multiple screens? Do you make him work with the ball? Absolutely. you got to find out where he's getting that ball at. And I think the easiest one to probably take away is the point guard. And so, and the reason I think that is because what we did, we played against a really good one at, over at uh, Klein Oak this year, and uh, – they throw the ball into him, and we wouldn't be denying him or anything. We make sure that we just put uh, put a guy that's aggressive and quick and kind of one of our better athletes on him. He was a little shorter than him, but we would say just make him catch it in front. And so as soon as he, uh, as soon as they pass it into him, we were between him and the basket. You know, a long way back uh, away from the basket, and whoever was guarding the man throwing the ball inbounds, we would come and just do a soft trap. Uh, and, and make him give the ball up. And so we wouldn't hard, hard trap him way back there because, honestly, he was probably he was quicker than both of our two kids coming track combined. <laughs> and so we would just slow trap it to where there was space, you know, and he would just kind of go show and go trap. And we didn't care where the inbounder went. We were going to make that guy give it up. And okay. as soon as he'd go and he would see the trap coming, then most kids – are going to go give it up and be able to try to get it back uh, later in the possession. So as soon as he would uh, give it up, the guy that was assigned to the stud would go and try to deny and make it as harder for him to be able to get it back. And the guy that came and soft trap, as soon as it was passed out, he'd sprint tra- straight to the midline and get ahead of the ball and uh, and try to match up from there. So you would you would put yourself in a little four-on-three situation, but you'd put yourself in that situation more like 45, 50, 55 feet away because you Correct. set that soft trap in the backcourt kind of volleyball line-ish. Correct, and try to make somebody different than that is used that is not used to bringing the ball up to do it. And a lot of times, and what we were fortunate of, it was the guy that was throwing it in was one of their post players. Sure. And so that's another thing to look at too is who's throwing the ball in in a situation like that. And you know that I think that's you know pretty obvious as well. But shoot, if it's a post throwing it in, heck yeah, make that make that stud kick it over to the post and then make it hard getting it back to that to that guard and let somebody else bring the ball down. Well, I think that's a great point. You know, we're going to talk about trapping and. 
the big thing when you talk about that soft trap, he can see the trapper coming, right? You're not trying to turn it up the sideline or anything like that. You're, 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 he's able to see that, that second defender coming right at him, right? We are wanting him to see it because we're wanting him to Absolutely. think, okay, I got two guys on me. I got to get it out of my hand. Well, that's got to give your guy that's guarding the stud so much confidence because he knows all he's got to do is he doesn't have to do anything special. He doesn't have to turn him. He doesn't have to keep him away from the middle. He doesn't have to funnel him sideline. He doesn't have to funnel him. He knows that he's going to have another defender coming. So you know, Exactly. That, that's got to give that kid so much confidence defending, defending that stud point guard, that guy that can just you know cook a little bit. But he knows he's got a second guy coming from behind to obviously help get that ball out of his hands. Then he's just got to play off ball D and deny and things like that. Especially when he's really quick, because we didn't, you know, very rarely if you're going to get a stud that's really quick bringing the ball up, you're not going to be able to have somebody to go put on him and say, turn him three, four times, bringing the ball up the floor. Oh, you know, absolutely. they get my, they turn him once and then that kid's gone. Absolutely. And then you're in a help situation anyway, so, or so, a scramble situation. So where else do you kind of like to trap? You know, I know we talked a little bit about soft traps. Let's say he's more of an off guy, you know, more of a kind of that Williamson from Rockwall kind of kid or, a, you know, just a kind of an elite wing, maybe not such a, a true one, but, you know, more of kind of that two on the wing that can kind of create, they run the ISO sets for him. Do you, do you like to trap any over there? Do you kind of avoid trapping in the half court? Talk us through kind of some, some trapping stuff. And, you know, there's there's different ways to look at it, and we've done different things that gets different kids. I think one area where it's easy to trap them to make them give it up is on a ball screen. Okay. Uh, I, and what we would do is we would just soft trap it. Uh, sometimes we would soft trap. Sometimes we would hard trap. You know, against the quicker guards, we would always do a soft trap. Uh, but, you know, from the Rockwall kid, we would go and we would hard trap him because – we felt that we had good enough athletes to be able to trap and keep them in the trap and make them have to give it up from there. And so, but I think really the, the easiest, easiest one to do would be on any ball screen or, or dribble handoff or anything like that, because you already have uh, your defender coming up to trap right there. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's one of the things that always, that made uh defending Greg so difficult is you know they would obviously put him on the block or he'd be on the wing by himself and he very rarely had to bring the ball up because you know they had a pretty athletic little guard you know with Greg so he could always either see the trap or you had to trap him in the post which you know we'll talk a little bit about posty but um you know at the same time obviously the you know the ball screen is a great spot to go attack People, you know, looking at ball screens, and I know we we have to spend so much time on ball screen coverage. I'm sure, like you guys, but you know, it's almost you almost invite it when you're playing an elite score because it's a great opportunity to get the ball out of his hands. I mean, he may give it to somebody else, but at least it's not in that dude's hands. Exactly, and you know, the other thing that we did is we we call it Jordan. You know, obviously because of Michael Jordan, and so whenever that's the call, then whenever that kid touches the ball, we have a trap coming. And so let's say that you're guarding a guard up top and he throws it to the stud that's free throw line extended. If then the rule is, is if your man makes the pass to him, then you are going and you are trapping. And so that takes a lot of reps to be able to go and recognize. And it takes a lot of recognition from your players to be able to see, you know, know where the pass is going and who it's going to. And I'll- so I, I like that in this, the sense that, you know, if you're running that and you're consistently running it, then when that stud catches it, he knows somebody is coming to him right then. 
And so a lot of times it makes them try to force a little bit to where they're going and try to get a quick shot or they're going to catch and instantly try to attack the rim where obviously if we're going and trapping, then, you know, you have scramble rules behind it. And so everybody should be packing into the paint and hopefully take, uh, maybe get a couple of charges taken on them. Absolutely. I love that. That Jordan And I know call. you love charges. So. Oh man. <laughs> One thing I can coach well, that's a, that's a charge. Uh, that's a, I love that call, that Jordan call, man, that, you know, just going right now. Cause a lot of times, even if you're playing against a team that cuts well and things like that, you know, when they throw that ball, uh, and they see their man leave. They probably don't cut as hard. They don't. They don't have to really cut face or back cut. They kind of get lost, and they probably catch that ball in an awkward mid range. So you're then you're forcing inferior guys to catch it in weird spots, which it's all you can ask for when you're playing against one of these guys. Exactly. And to be honest with you, against R.J. Hampton, it doesn't really matter what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy. He is. He's going to make make some school really really good next year. You know, year for year. that's a that's a great, great one to talk about here because, you know, we talked about trapping and ball screens other than just kind of elite shot making. What what just drives you just gives you fits with a stud. And I get it. You know, they come down, they pull up from 20 feet and they bury it. You know, we all hate that or, you know, but what do you what do you just hate what a stud does or just it's hard for you to counter? One one is giving up offensive rebounds to them. You know, and the second one is allowing them to get all the way to the basket. You know, there's no way if you're focusing and everybody knows that there's stud, there's no way that he should be able to get all the way and finish at the rim. You should always, you know, we preach to him, we cannot let this kid beat us. And if he's going and knocking down perimeter shots that's contested and, you know, making it tough on him, you can live with that because, you know, your favorite saying, and, and I love it and I use it now, is, you know, if they make a tough shot, like one of those 18-foot pull-ups, 20-foot pull-ups, you know, in somebody's face, you're like, he's just a dude. You know, you're yep. not going to be able to stop him on every possession. But to allow him to do – to get all the way to the rim is something that, that, that should never happen whenever you're focusing on somebody. I got you. So, you know, when you're talking about – so that guy's attacking. Let's say he's attacking middle and, you know, you, you're trying to wall up. You're not sending a trap, but what kind of stunt do you like – do you like that guy, uh, you know, let's say he's on the on the left wing and he's penetrating with his left hand to trying to get a paint touch. And there's a guy at the top of the key. That top defender, you know, he's jumped to the ball, he's in gap or deny, however you like to have your defensive scheme. What kind of stunt do you like him going at that defender? Is it a Does he show his hips? Is it just a jab with a hand? What do you kind of coach with that? You know, we're jabbing with a hand and, until until he's not a threat anymore. And so if he's attacking, he keeps attacking at you, then you're continuing to jab to him. And so, and eventually if he comes to you, then you're sitting there walling up and making him give it up, trying to take a charge and trying to get it out of his hand. And so really what we do is if we're going and we're doing the Jordan and we're going and denying a stud or, or, you know, even if we're not denying him hard, you know, against a stud when he catches it that likes to penetrate, then we, it's pretty much turns into a pack line defense to where everybody's getting jumping to help hard, hard midline, below the ball, you know, and trying doing whatever we need to do to keep him out of the paint. Oh, wow. Okay. So if that ball keeps coming, you tell that kid, you know, it's okay to show your hips. It's okay to get a big wall, you know, even, you know, you just kind of give up that back cut and hope you got that help behind it and take that charge right there, I guess. 
You know, and that's why it pretty much turns on that pack line because you should always have, if that guy back cuts, then you should have that help behind him right there. Absolutely. That's a, boy, I, you know, that's one of those things. I know I, I don't do a great job of coaching, you know, because it's hard for me to give up one pass away, just, you know, freedom. But at the same time, right. you know, that brings up, that's a great point and just making sure that stud has, has another number in his face when he tries to penetrate. He's not just just never playing one-on-one. I think that's one of the big themes you've been hitting on is you never want to let an elite score play one-on-one because he'll kick your rear end. Always will. <laughs> that's why they're dudes. Always will. So one, one of the things with studs is, you know, with, with special situations, you know, as the game goes – you know, regardless if he's playing, if he's heating up, if he's shooting well, if he's living at the free throw line, you know, when you're getting in situations, you know, blobs, slobs, those types of things, do you ever change any kind of coverages defensively? I mean, obviously film plays a role, but um, kind of as the game goes, what what are your kind of adjustments on kind of those out-of-timeouts, blobs and slobs kind of thing? Well, you know, it, it kind of depends on how the game's been going, too, and how your scheme has, has worked. And so, obviously, try to make in-game adjustments. Uh, you know, one situation that, that I think every coach has gone against uh, late in the quarter or, you know, late in the game situation is if they put the stud guard up there and put everybody else, like, four flat. You oh, know, yeah. And they try to dribble it out, you know, let's say in attack at eight seconds or, or whatever the, the preference is, is, you know, we always go send somebody and to go trap. You know, just trying to make somebody else have to beat us. You know, on uh, on blobs and slobs, what we always do is we switch it. And so um, that's one difference that we do uh, rather than the half court. You know, when we're trying to – if we're Jordan them, you know, he's not switching. You know, he's just face guarding the heck at him, denying him wherever he goes, fighting through every screen. But against a – uh, especially, a, uh, you know, the baseline out of bounds, we're going to switch everything, you know, and we work on that in practice to where we switch and we designate a, one of our, if we're going against the JV, we have, uh, and sometimes we give them a special jersey to wear that that's the stud. And so whenever you are switched on him, then you're, you're playing him and denying him and taking away his, the hand that you want to take away uh, right then. And so, that's one thing is we try not to switch there throughout the game in, in a possession, but against baseline out of bounds, I think it's really hard to be able to fully deny that guy and not be able to, uh, to switch off of him. That's a, so one of the things, you know, let's say he gets that catch off the blob and, you know, you had a bad switch. You got one of your awkward six, six kind of goofy kids on him. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got, you know, McDaniel with the ball on the wing, and do you have a special call? You know, I know we have a call for that. You know, we call it fire, and it's everybody get a foot in the pack, get a foot in the paint, wherever you're at, and get ready to help. Do you guys have a special call, or are you guys already playing like that? We don't have a special call just because that's pretty much the game plan already, usually that's already set. And so, you know, we even talk to our, our guys about, okay, let's say that our post kid gets matched up with him because it might happen. Then – First of all, we already should be kind of in the pack line, uh, you know, philosophy of it, and we're going to need to be even more so, uh, even more so in help if we know that there's a kid that he's probably going to try to take advantage of and get to the basket. Uh, what else we do is, you know, we'll just call out a name. 
know that if we call out that na- their, your name, then you're instantly going to trap. And so what we try to do is try to find, you know, the closest guy uh, to the ball, and we'll yell at him to be able to go do that soft trap, make him give it up, and then our post guy is running to the uh, running to the front of the rim and matching up from there. Oh wow, I love that. You know, being able to call out a name like that and have your kids respond and get after it. Uh, I think that puts you in a great position to try to obviously create a different look. You know, all this is about creating different looks for the kind of these studs. And so, right. you know, when you get late, you know, we talked a little bit about blobs and slobs. We're getting late in the game. You know, it's a one-two possession game. Um, what are you kind of telling your kids late defensively? Um, you know, obviously uh-huh. if you're, you know, leading, you don't want to foul and those types of things. But, you know, we're in it one, like we said, one, two possessions, last minute and a half, two minutes. What are some key points that you think defensively are very important than that last stretch? Boxing out. All <laughs> five people find in a body. Absolutely. Do not let a second shot be able to, to, to beat you. You know, um, you know, it, it's, and that comes from game films too, because coaches have do have tendencies and they have plays they like to do in late game situations, or at least a, you know, at least a a scheme part of it to where, all right, they're he's really good in pick and rolls, and so they pretty much are going to if it's late game situations to where one possession, two possession game, then first of all we say who is the stud. They know who the stud is, and they said, all right, who, if they need a bucket, who is going to go get that bucket? Do you think that a high school stud is going to defer to his teammates as much as like a LeBron James would do, you know, with shooters around him? No, oh, yeah. 90% of the time, that stud is going to do it himself. And so that's what we try to preach to him is, you know, you may not – you may have a shooter over there to where we don't help out as much throughout the game – all of a sudden, late game situation, you know that stud is going to try to be the dude, and so we've got to be sure that we are, you know, focusing on him and not letting him get something. So late in the game, you, you you're big on making sure somebody else is beating you. Yes. Okay, I like it. I agree. Because, and the reason I say that is because a lot of the times, even though you send somebody to trap. He's going to try to split it, and he's going to get himself in an awkward situation, or, or you know, put him, uh, you know, attacking at an angle that he's not used to, or having to go do a, a pull-up fadeaway or a pull-up or anything like that, to where, you know, he wants to take that shot, and so we're trying to make it to where, and like I said, a lot of times, you getting great help, and he goes and tries to force things, which usually works out better for you in that aspect. I think you're 100% right with the split. A split's a 50-50 play. I mean, you know, even elite guys, a split, ball goes off a foot, a hand gets a ball, a no call. I mean, anytime you can force a 50-50 ball late defensively, I mean, that's not just a win. That's a heck of a win. That's a great defensive play. Exactly. You know, and and honestly, I think that if – another person on the team is shooting any sort of contested shot, it's a win for you as well. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think you know, that's one of the big things, you know, with these elite kind of guys is you got to make them, you know, and that's, you know, teams that have those kind of scores and then guys that can make those kind of plays 
and make tough shots around them, those are what we call district, regional, state champions. I mean, exactly. <laughs> and they're going Division One for a reason. <laughs> yes, I mean, and that's you know, and those those are the types of things you just got to be able to go to sleep with. Um, kind of last thing, you know, one of the things that you know we always think about when we think about elite scores and kind of big time players junk you know kind of boxing ones triangles and twos diamond and ones what are your thoughts on those you think those have any merit in high school basketball what well, i think i personally haven't really done much of that you know but i we definitely have done it a couple of times at hayes and one thing that i think is why it could be valuable in high school is a lot of kids don't know how to react to it and so, you know, even with going and totally denying them, of course, studs always see it. And so they, they're used to it. But, like, there was a kid that was uh, a younger kid that we did that to this year, and he completely shut down. He didn't know what to do. And, you know, he was just frustrated that every time he caught it, he was getting double teamed. And so it ended up going to where he didn't even try to work without the ball. He would just go and stand over the free throw line extended to the corner just kind of with his hands on his knees and kind of shut down. And I think a lot of times with the box and one or a triangle and two, uh, that not a lot of, you know, coaches may not know what to run against. it, And so they would try to run a zone offense or try to run a man. And so it's one of those things to where I think it throws, it, it's a good change of pace because it makes the kids think. And so anytime you can make high school kids have to think a lot, I think you're doing a good job. <laughs> Absolutely, that is, boy. That might be the theme of the podcast right there. You got to make the other guys think. <laughs> there you go. Because I, mean, I know how my guys think sometimes, and trust me, I know it's a lot always good to make them have to make those types of decisions rather than us. Exactly. You know, I think that's a boy. I, I've I've probably ran more junk than you have, um, and I, I, you know, I was going to ask you this as well. When we're talking about an elite kind of guy, and you're running junk. Do you think it's easier to kind of run junk against, uh, you know, our primary ball handler, or it's easier to run junk against uh, more of kind of a score or even a back to the basket kind of post kind of hybrid guy, maybe like a like a Greg Brown or like a Brock Cunningham or some of those kind of elite guys? It, you know, I, if you're let's say you're boxing one, I think it I think it'll work good against a perimeter guy, a ball handler, just because when he's out there and he has the ball in his hand, he has somebody up on him and he can see that, you know, cutting to the basket, doing all that, the backside, they're not moving. And that help is sitting right there waiting for him. And so, um, it, you know, I think it's harder in the aspect of, you know, a big guy in a post down low, just because, you know, you don't have somebody bumping him and knocking him off the block, you know, consistently every time that he cuts through there. If that kind of makes sense. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, so give us your final kind of tips. You know, for, you know, guys going in, you know, obviously this is May. You know, we've got a while before we play, you know, games that really matter again. What are some final tips you give coaches going into their – going to a game and you know you got a guy that's been averaging 27 a game and you're like, all right, got to win this district ball game. And I, what are some things that you could help them out with? Just a couple tips going into that game. I think one is try to find tendencies of him. And so, you know, is does he always penetrate right, you know, and, and try to finish? Or does he always go left and pull up? 
or, um, you know, and I think the main tip is you can't sit there and try to do that two days before that district game. And so, because on the back end, there's, you know, if you're coming and running doing traps and soft traps or even trapping ball screens or sending a guy on first pass to be able to go trapping, you know, you're going to get put in a lot of situations to where it's four on three or three on two to you're at a deficit. And so every coach does the scramble drill, but we try to, we do one or two every single day just to be able to try to put them in a bad situation to try to be able to, to, especially when you go against that side that you can try to limit those other four guys on getting great looks. Um, you know, and, and another tip is go into the game knowing that you're not going to stop him and just <laughs> yes. go into it and say, what can I live with him, how he beats us? Because you're never going to stop a stud. And, but I guarantee you if, if, you know, he's a deadly three-point shooter and he knocks down six threes against you, you're not going to sleep very well at night. If he's not a great shooter, but you allow him to go to the free throw line and you allow him to get to the basket uh, multiple, multiple times, then you're going you're gonna to get upset with yourself and be frustrated at the end. So try to just find that, that one thing that, uh, that you want to make him beat you on. And you know what? If he does it, then he does it. Shake his hand and wish him good luck. <laughs> And I think that's the best theme. You know, when we're talking about stopping studs, you know, by no means are we saying that we're going to take a 28-point guy and hold him to four. We're, 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 right. And I think that's a great point, you know, finding those tendencies and finding what you're going to live with. You know, there's you got to be able to live with something against elite players. That's why they're elite. That's why they're going to go to big-time schools and, and, and play in big-time games. And some of these guys are going to make money playing basketball. And – you know, when we're talking about trying to slow down those types of kids, it's it's take away, like you said, take away those tendencies, and then find out what you can live with, and try to live with just that. Don't 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 let yourself get beat on the on the dumb stuff, like letting a Greg Brown get on the offensive glass, or letting the R.J. Hampton get to the get to the hole and get to the free throw line, and you know, letting K.J. McDaniel just get to the elbow and knock it down. You know, it's taking away, making those guys beat you in different ways. Yes, sir. Man, this was this was fun, man. I appreciate you coming on and and talking a little defense and uh, getting after it a little bit. Uh, you played golf right l- lately? Have not, not since we played over at Atlanta. So, well, I'm gonna and have that was fun times. I appreciate the invite over there. It's always a good group. Always, and if you have never made it out to the Cooper's Clinic that that Coach Brown over at Cedar Park puts on, it is a heck of a time. There's some there's some bad golf and some good barbecue and even better talk and camaraderie and all that stuff. So I, I'd recommend that clinic to anybody, any day of the week. Um, I, I want to thank our first time listeners. Obviously this is our first episode of the lockdown. I want to definitely thank coach Jones over at the woodlands. Uh, want to wish him the best of the luck in this upcoming season. Thank you for coming on coach. Hey, really appreciate it, and congrats again on uh, on the job. I know you do a great job with them, so right. I know you're excited about it. All right, thank you, guys. We will be uh, having a new podcast probably coming in the next seven to ten days with Coach Ruiz from Vandegrift. We're going to talk a little diamond pressure with him, so make sure you're looking out for that. Uh, if you can, try to subscribe to our other uh, eight Hardwood Texas podcasts. I know 
Uh, Coach Blackburn does a great one in Pound the Rock. He's had that one going a long time. I try to listen to that to pick up as much as I can. Um, thank you guys again, and uh, we'll get after it again. Thanks again, Coach. Thank you.